You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 488. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. How are you this week? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah? A little bit... Um a little bit frazzled. It's been a very busy week. Um, and um, some of the things that drive me mad are things of my own creating, as you've just found out. We, mm. We're late on the show because I missed the daylight savings change. And uh, then I tried to use a new setup, which I couldn't get going, which, you know. Yep. I, I thought it was working, but then I found it wasn't. It wasn't working. So, so you got a new Mac? The old, I've got a new Mac. What that, you got? that was part of the problem. Uh, I I bought a an uh, the a 2020 M1 Mac MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, which is the one I've had before, which I said was one of the best computers I've ever had, and I bought another one because uh, I'd sold it and I'd gone to a much older Mac that stopped working, um, and um, you know the because the M2 MacBook Airs are out now, you pick up a refurb M1 MacBook Air, pretty good, pretty cheap, uh, and uh, you know what, it's still. <laughs> One of the best computers. In fact, I I kind of think it's a little bit better still than the M2 MacBook Air. Yeah. Because the M2 MacBook Air has got the new design. Um, so it's you know it's got the, the sweet new case and all right. that, but actually, uh, but actually, you're paying quite a lot more for the additional performance that you don't really need because it's not like the M1 was slow. Um, and so yeah, I took the view that that the M1 was more than adequate for my needs, and I'd had one before, and I knew it was okay, so I picked one up and uh, very pleased with it, except for the fact that I couldn't get my uh, recording software working on there. Well, so. I mean, I've got an M1 Max. Yeah. Yeah, they no, they're f- f- fabulous machines, and um, you know what? I this this computer uh, provided I don't get tempted to upgrade it or sell it like I did last time will last me many years. So um. yeah, and you won't keep it many years, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> oh, I'm going. I really am going to try to because, as I say, I looked at the the latest what later ones, and I just thought I don't need it. It just you know, I just really it's. It's hard to imagine anybody shopping for a MacBook Air today and if they had the two of them in front of them going, I want the more expensive one. Because it's, qu- it's quite a lot more money. It's about $400 more money. Yep. You know, you can pick up uh, an M1 MacBook Air for, um, uh, what, $850, something yeah, like that Yeah, it's pretty now. cheap. You know, and that's a hell of a lot of computer for the money. Yes. Um, and I, I sprung for a, a 512 gig storage rather than 256 but uh and the one with the extra gpu core so i always got all fancy pants i always when i was in tech you know full-time i'd always tell people get the most expensive machine you can get but the two things you need to concentrate on more than anything else is ram at the time now it's kind of not as big of a deal most machines ship with adequate ram for what most people are doing anyways uh, RAM and hard drive space because you will fill yeah. them up quick. It's it's just a thing. It happens, and yeah. uh, that's what I when I got this one. I I went you know all in on the. I wanted enough hard drive space that I didn't have to worry about it. I mean, this thing's got uh, thirty two gigs of RAM, so no problem there. And I got the two terabyte, um, yeah. and and I've got one point seven terabyte. <laughs> free <laughs> but yeah. i expect this thing's gonna last me you know until it dies i'm not gonna replace it just because some new shiny came out this is plenty well, well, of power yeah. for what i need and that's kind of the well, same thing me, with you and the macbook air 
yeah what makes me laugh is the people online who um you see going well you know i've, I've got two terabytes uh and i've only got 500 gigs free left now so i need to upgrade yeah. and it's like no you no, don't no you, you just don't. need to get rid of crap on your machine that you never use <laughs> exactly yeah i think that's that's the the downside of having a lot of storage is you just never delete anything and you fill it up with a load i of rubbish, do so. I, i'm pretty methodical nowadays about getting rid of stuff and yeah. organizing the stuff on my drives. I spent a week organizing this one external hard drive with content that took, I had to literally have two windows open to yeah. do it. And, I, you know, it felt good afterwards. My backup wasn't happy because all of a sudden it thinks everything changed and I had to re-back up the whole hard drive. But that's fine. I don't care. I just do that overnight. I, I remember very clearly, quite a few years ago, um, I don't even remember, I did some work in Botswana. You remember, yeah. remember when I was yeah. working in Botswana? Yeah. So I was sat there in the office in Botswana one day. And basically, all my colleagues had gone back to the UK. So I, and I was there for a, a few extra days. Um, and I had my email client open and it had 7,000 items in the email. Now, they, were, they weren't all unread. I do read everything that I get in, but I'm, I'm very bad at deleting stuff. Um, so I, I kind of got a bit, you know, I, over lunch, I kind of got a bit, concerned about this i thought oh, maybe i should try and clean it up so i spent an hour you know deleting marketing mails sure. and you know notifications from the company about stuff that i didn't need anymore and everything like that and i i got rid of a few hundred emails um and uh, i thought oh i must continue to do this and try and get down to the mythical inbox zero you know so there's nothing there my uh in mailbox it's not mythical today, by the way i get there all the time yeah yeah my mailbox today currently has around about fifty four thousand items in it that's not so i've still got a ways to go <laughs> and that's the problem when you've when you filled it up with crap actually um it's much harder to tidy it up than it is to not let it get out of control in the first place yes that's always the case yeah. though yeah um <clears throat> yeah once you get there though it, you do have to be uh diligent if you will to to keep it that way well, that's the problem. I mean, at 54,000 items, I mean, there's probably a week's work to try and get it cleaned up, and I don't have that sort of time anymore. Well, many years ago, I got to the point where I had too many. When when my Mac was going full swing, where we had multiple articles and reviews and all that every day, um, and then plus whatever job I was working, um, what I would do is I would leave anything unread. I could read it, but then mark it unread. That meant to me I needed to follow up on something. Yeah. Not that I needed to keep it forever or anything like that. If it was marked unread, there was something I needed to do with this email. And then mm -hmm. once, you know, and I would create a bunch of subfolders, you know, like marketing or staff or what have you. <clears throat> and I got really diligent about doing it. If I saw three or four unread messages, I go, okay, I want to get back down to no I don't want to see anything in the doc about unread messages. So I need to respond to these now instead of putting it off. And I got really diligent and that practice really, really helps in sales. Uh, specifically for me, of course, auto sales. And if I haven't responded to something and I need to, I leave it unread. The moment I read it, at the end of the day, I want my inbox to read zero red messages or, you know, zero unread messages, I should say. And I feel like, okay, I can go home now 
Because if I have unread messages, that means I need to act on something, which means I've put it off and I need to get on it. That helps you in sales big time because if you're responding to things immediately or as close as you can to immediate, you're going to have more sales. You're going to be more responsive than the guy at another dealership who's just out goofing around and talking to his friends is not paying attention, which is, you know, that's that's what happens. And And I get complimented all the time. Thank you for the quick response because of that. Yeah. And it goes back to my methodology of if, if it's unread, it's something I need to take action on. And at the end of the day, everything's read. I put it in the archive folder for all well, the work stuff. I'm a little bit more, um, just throw it in one folder nowadays than I used to be. <laughs> but I also yeah. set up rules on my on uh, my Mac here at home. So if I get a lot of emails from a certain source, um, PR Newswire, for instance, I signed up many years ago for Tech News. Because I needed to know this stuff. You know, I want to stay on top of it. Um, yep. I had that automatically routed to a folder so it wouldn't go in my inbox. And I didn't care if it showed 50 unread there because I'll get to that when I get to it. There's nothing in there that I need to know right now. Uh, anytime someone registered a new account on one of the various websites I owned, I would get an email notification. Well, those all get routed to certain inboxes. So I don't... I don't pay attention to them at all until I go in and delete them because honestly, I don't need to know. In fact, I actually went uh, about a week and a half ago and changed the rule to mark all of those unread and then delete after two weeks. Just in case I needed to go in there, I give myself two weeks to get in there and look, but nothing is marked as unread. It's all marked red. Two weeks later, they're gone. So if you play gotcha. with the rules in whatever email program you work with, and I don't think most people do, but if you really dive into those rules, it's really a powerful tool to help you kind of start organizing your your email life, if you will. Especially if you're a, yep. a working professional like you or I, that I, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, email's dead and everybody texts. The email is not dead. It's far from not it. In business. Not in business. Yeah, not not business. Yeah, email is the new fax. Yes, and it's yeah. well, I wouldn't go that far because fax is pretty antiquated. But um, no, but fax fax hung around for a lot longer than people thought it would. It's still around because it was so. Yeah, because it was well. That, that illustrates the point because it was so critical to so many business processes. And email is still like that today. Yeah. Yep. So you guys can do it. You can get to zero in in inbox unread whatever you want to call it but it's not mythical i did it if i can do it trust me anybody can do it it just takes yep. time to get there that's, that's you the use those rules and preferences and you know it, it it's there for a reason it actually does work i mean if i bring up my email right now let me see in junk i've got 77 i'm pretty diligent every couple of days i empty junk PR Newswire, I've got two. Registrations, I've got 520. (laughs) And they're all junk accounts. They're all spam things. Uh, And that's just in my my MyMac.com stuff. You know, the Gmail, I've got a bunch in there. And then the work stuff, I don't even count because it's work stuff. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's just not easy you, you gotta no. you gotta stay on top of it stay, stay on top of it is the hardest part let's be honest 
So um, I remember last year when when I'd first ordered and I was waiting for my Steam Deck. So um, the way that Steam that Valve did it back then was that there was a waiting list, and uh, everyone got their order in a waiting list. And what would happen is you'd you pre-order, and then you would get an email from Valve saying, "Right, your pre-order's ready. You need to kind of register in and actually." finalize the purchase and then we'll send it out to you and there was an awful lot of people complaining that you only, when they send you the email you had like a four-day window to do that and a lot of people complaining they'd missed the email and it was basically because they'd given up on their email boxes yep. they said oh it's so full of stuff i never i only read i only check it once or twice a week if that um and that i couldn't understand it was like well actually what you just need to do then is unsubscribe from most of that rubbish that's coming to your inbox because you don't need it. If you're not reading it, you don't need it. So <laughs> just get rid of it. And then uh, then it's easy to check check your email every day and spot the stuff that's coming in that might be important. Yeah, well, everybody wants to blame everybody else for stuff. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, let's talk about an article. <laughs> oh, what a slide. What a slide. So, guys, That's why I work with you, because you're a professional. That's man. right. <laughs> Guy Searle... Um, Posted an article. His uh, M series Mac Mini took a crap on him. Yeah. And my issue with his article is the M series Macs might not may not be the grand design as claimed. Uh, they are guy. They are. Um, <laughs> so he has widely accepted, even by the Windows guys, to be an amazing step forward in laptop computing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not just laptop, it, desktop. No, no, but, but yeah, but I mean, they really shine with laptops and most people buy laptops nowadays. So that's, 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 yeah, they are great. Don't get me wrong. If they're great for laptops, they're even better for desktops. Yeah. But they were, the uh, Apple Silicon was a massive step forward for the industry. And now everyone is scrambling to catch up with what Apple Exactly. Did. So Guy had a, his Mac Mini take a dump on him. It's his main machine. But fear not, he's got an, an M series uh, laptop as well. Yeah. So his Mac Mini dies. He does all yeah. the things that we can do at home nowadays, which is still quite a bit more than you could do with, say, an iPhone if it dies on you. Yeah. Uh, with the iPhone, you've got a couple buttons to push, and then, okay, I guess there's nothing I can do. Uh, nothing worked. So he takes it to the Apple Store, and it's a logic board. So it's going to take a week to fix. Because... Basically, the, that's all the Mac Mini is. It's all any of these M1, M series processors are. Because of a system on a chip, there's a tiny little logic board in there that's the whole computer. Yep. Yeah. But that's, I mean, the but entire is, industry that, is going that route. Uh, well, yeah, and not only that, that is absolutely, you know, in terms of performance, you couldn't you couldn't get what the uh, M1 Mac Mini, what the M series Mac Minis do without them being like that right and it's not just the fact that it's they're faster this way it's also power management oh it's it's combination of power management and performance but uh, you know a lot of people have been talking about this because the uh the mac pro is still uh, absent from apple silicon and one of the challenges there is that the traditional mac pro which is a, a big board with slots on it you plug extra cards into yeah, that that kind of architecture is not really compatible with the, what what they've done with Apple Silicon because Apple Silicon's performance and power management um, and uh, an overall system uh, reliability effectively relies on the whole computer being on one chip. Yep. Uh, and so as soon as you start having 
what what at, at the scales that computer operates at you know vast distances of much slower electrical lines then um it's very difficult for the machine to operate because the you know the core of it is basically it you know it's all it's all it's all under it's all under the hood right you know what exactly I mean? uh, and uh and and that the, the downside of that is if something fails in there then the entire computer needs to be replaced just like if something fails like that on your iphone you would need to send it back and the whole system board needs to be replaced you can't replace components you can't solder in new bits and pieces you can't yank the processor out of a of a socket and put a new one in it just doesn't work like that anymore well it does if you have a uh, a great microphone and great you know miniature soldering skills, but the average person yeah. isn't going to do. It. I've watched plenty of videos where people have taken you know the processor off the board and put a new one in. You can can you do it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No one's doing that. So no, it's it's not cost effective certainly no. for Apple to do that. No, I'm sure somebody will do that. With his old board, it will go back to Apple and it will go to a specialist repair shop and they will evaluate it and decide what needs to be done with it, whether it needs to be thrown out or whether it needs to be recycled by replacing whatever part and it's failed. Yep. But that's a very, very technical job. So Guy's whole thing was, okay, my Mac Mini died. I had to take it. I'm not happy that I can't fix it, but he kind of accepts that. Okay, fine. But he's got a backup of that machine, a time machine backup. So realistically... Yep. The only steps he had to do was take the Mac, the the M1 laptop, if you will, back it up if he hadn't already, and then restore yeah. the Mac Mini to the laptop and all his software, all the preference, everything would have just worked perfectly, exactly. and he would have been back Again, it up and just running. Like, just just in the same way that if you had a, an iPad or an iPhone, you need to replace yep. it. That's exactly what So instead do. of doing that, uh, he, he just took it and re-downloaded the software that he had on the Mac Mini and tried to set it all up. And, lo and, and he's behold, got a lot of software because yeah. he's got a really complicated yeah. and system. And it didn't work right. And It didn't work right. Yeah. And he seems to think that's Apple's. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. you Why were you backing up the Mac Mini if you weren't going to use the backup? What What's the point? Yeah. I mean, the whole... The whole point is you you backed it up in case something bad happens. You plug in your backup machine. You restore it from your Mac Mini. Bob's your uncle. You're good to go. That, I, which I, is exactly what I've just done with my new MacBook this week. Yeah. Which is I rest, I time machine my old one, restored to the new one. Um, and uh, yeah, I've I've had a problem with that because well, some you went from don't restore, Intel to. M1. I went from Intel to to M1, yeah. so I think that's my issue there. And that would have been but he wasn't no. doing that. He would have been going from an M1 Mini to an M1 Air, which is basically the um, same machine. To, exactly. Yeah, he would have had no problems whatsoever. Right. He didn't do that, and he seems to think that that is the fault of the M1 architecture. Or is he trying to say, well, because the M1 can't be repaired by me, that's the fault of the M1 architecture? Yeah, neither one of those um, makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, you had the solution right there. You even call it out in your article, and then you say in your article that you didn't want to do that. I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> why did you make life a thousand times more difficult? And on top of which, you're suffering you know, from COVID. You've got COVID. Yeah. Why, why are you making your life so much more difficult? I don't it, – it made no sense to me. I even responded to yeah. the article in there, and my response, it says, it should be noted that you also cannot fix your TV, iPhone, headphones, microphone, and probably not much on your car either. Technology yeah. is evolving past the point where the average human can actually repair anything, and an SOC Mac is just the latest. Now, there is a wider discussion to be had about that, and whether 
you know the benefits we get from being able to do that um for not being able to do that outweigh the risks and obviously you know companies like iFixit who specialize in allowing you to repair stuff have been on this for years and you know governments around the world are, are, are now coming around more to the right to repair but not because they think inherently right to repair is is a better solution to to our problems but purely because right to repair if you don't have it can sometimes be as an uh, be used as an excuse to rip customers off and that's what they're they're bothered about yep. if the fact if the fact is you can't repair anything for no good reason uh, and a and a minor component fails um or or a consumable component fails and the company says oh right well, you're out of warranty you just need to buy a new one then obviously that is ripping the consumer off but it's that right to repair is not inherently about the fact that we should have the ability to repair stuff ourselves it's just that we shouldn't be prevented from uh to use it to upsell us to to replace equipment rather than um rather than uh you know doing a doing a minor repair but that wasn't the case in 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 um guy in, in Guy's case, because obviously the logic board had failed. So I posted you know? an article, or I posted a link to this article on Facebook. Paul Carlin responded to it. He says, an enjoyable read. Believe it or not, I'm still rocking a MacBook Pro 2012 as my main iMac, or my main Mac, which I upgraded myself to 16 gigs of RAM and 520. He said 525, but I think he meant 512. Yeah. A gigabyte SSD. It's also running Ventura like a champ, thanks to OL OCLP. I don't know what that is. Probably some hack that you can. So yeah, no, it's it's open core. Um, yeah, open core something. But basically, that is what that does is it modifies uh, Ventura or whatever version you're using to ignore all the checks that Apple puts in place. Yep. To uh, prevent it from running on newer machines, and also any it, it they it's a, it's a great project actually. They have patched anything that needs patching to provide support on older machines so they will provide new kernel drives for the graphics card uh, and things like that to make sure that that these systems will run with some limitations um and and that's a great thing and i've looked at that in the past and, and thought it'd be fun to kind of play around with um the uh the, there are definitely if you're technically minded some different advantages to go into that way but the problem you have with that is every year a new version comes out and every year it gets harder and harder to keep that machine running on the old os and i mean that's a that's a 11 year old mac i mean yeah yeah and and that is the way to go now my mother has a um and i think i think hers is 2011 imac um and she's been talking to me about changing it now because uh she's finding that she doesn't have any of uh you know um any modern os on it because you know it's my mother she doesn't really do that sort of thing she's finding that a lot of websites now don't work on yeah. safari on the machine that's that gonna happen um yeah and i've kind of said to her I said look you're using your machine every day maybe you should just buy a new a new one and then that will set you up for the next 10 years rather than you know i mean because initially she was saying oh well, you know a thousand pounds for a, a new mac seems like a lot of money um and i said yeah it is but you're using it every day i mean which she literally does so i said you know it's not that big a price bearing in mind that you've been using a, a really old one for the last 10 years yep you know, so paul continues he says this machine he's talking about the 2012 macbook pro has served me well and the only major issue i've had is when the battery went bad and refused to boot but thankfully installing a replacement battery battery was simple and painless I'm looking to jump to the Apple Silicon train within the next year 
and know that whichever Mac I buy will obliterate my old MacBook Pro in terms of performance. He's yeah. right there. It's, it's. I mean, come on. Uh, but I also realize. Yeah. He says. He's also. He's also Sorry, go on, you finish. Uh, but I also realize the days of upgrading or fixing it myself are long gone. Personally, it's a trade-off. I'm willing to make for the performance for the ability to, and the ability to run modern Mac OS, but it will feel weird. That's kind of true, too. Yeah, but he will get a machine with the Retina display, which he doesn't have. Yep. Uh, modern USB ports, which he doesn't have. Um might probably double the battery life at least, at least. That it gets at the moment yeah because those machines those 2012 machines they got about five hours if you're lucky uh, if you were lucky yeah um and um yeah they're kind of those those by modern standards those displays are a bit harsh really because they really are quite low res eric diaz um, also uh jumped in he said i jumped to the m chip last year at home and at work so far so good I was using a 2010 MacBook Pro and Mac Mini, and the speed inc- increase compared to those is insane, which, yeah. yeah. Uh, that being said, I do worry about everything being soldered uh, thing, and I put a warranty on it at Best Buy since there are no Apple stores here. He's uh, not in the continental U.S. Uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah. And he's right. Um, in Puerto Rico, there are no Apple stores, so he was smart to put a warranty on it at Best Buy. Yeah, and I think... You know, really, well, I take the view with a laptop that uh, anybody who's relying on that laptop for anything more than just fooling around with should buy Apple Care. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, it just makes everything so much easier. I got Mac, for, I, for three I got years Apple Care on my Mac um, Studio here because yeah, and I, there's nothing in there that I can fix. Yeah, exactly. And not only that as well, it also, nowadays, it, it's not even that expensive because you don't have to pay it as one big chunk. You can do it monthly. Yep. Yeah, so it just becomes a monthly subscription. And you can and, and the advantage of that is you can stop it anytime you want. If you do decide to replace a machine, you just stop the subscription. You don't think, oh, you know, I've got three years Apple Care and I've only had it for 18 months. I've kind of wasted 18 months worth of Apple Care money. Um, so, yeah, I... I you know, I, I, well, I'm, I'm a strong believer in having that sort of thing on anything you depend on, because um, you depend on it. You want it as repaired as quickly and as reasonably as possible. So let's stick, uh, particularly on a portable yes. machine, which can be well, dropped uh, or way too stolen easy. or what have you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's stick with Apple for a second. Apple Music Classical to arrive on March 28th. So this is basically the the music app, but its sole purpose is classical music. Um, it's part of the existing Apple Music subscription, which I have, so I'll be able to download this and it'll work for me because it's I'm already paying for it. Um, it, it's going to work with spatial audio, uh, thousands of exclusive albums, classical library. I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this, David. I, I've thought for a long time. Everybody talks about Spotify um, or Pandora or what have you as their subscription musical choice, which is fine. But I find that it's definitely those services are really, really geared more towards more popular stuff. Not so much as the classical. It's there and you can find it, but it's not very great, to be honest. Uh, and I've looked at it because I do like classical music. And Apple's current yeah. offerings of classical music is terrible uh, as far as so, finding yeah. it and discovering it and listening. and Well... 
So, so there's my point. My what was unclear from this announcement to me was whether Apple were actually uh, adding new things to the catalog to the library, or yep. whether this is just a it's a new standalone a, a app. New app. It's a new standalone. It's a app. new standalone app yep. that has a new, its own library. Yes. Right. So there's nothing in that classical library that you can find on the regular Apple Music app. Is that right? They haven't said that yet. Yeah. So so that that's my question because. One way of looking at it could be, you know what, the Apple Music app is lousy for search. It is. And in fact, the way they're fixing that is not by fixing it, but by saying, oh, well, if you want a category search just for classical, use the one that can only see the classical music. Um, and you just think, if, if, if it's the same library, why don't they just improve the Apple Music to make it like that? I don't. So I don't know whether there's exclusive classical exclusive classical stuff in the in the apple uh, music classics classical library um i mean you know i've just looked on my spotify here and spotify is much easier to search for stuff yep um and i can see loads and loads and loads and loads of classical music here yeah so i don't know whether this library is better or worse than what apple are offering here um so i yeah don't i don't know can't say they've got they do have a whole genre and they've got once you're in the classical genre of Spotify, uh, it looks very much like I'd imagine the Apple library would look on Apple Musical Classical. But I don't know whether the amount of music there is, is larger or smaller or what. Yeah, it sounds like the... Uh, I, I think Apple's going to finally maybe start paying attention to music. That, that would be nice, since they kind of popularized digital content yeah. like that. I, that's what some people seem to forget that, that... Until Apple released uh, iTunes and the ability to buy digital copies of music, as well as, you know, bringing in your own music. Up until that point, you know, it was everyone using standalone MP3 players and downloading stuff illegally because there was no way to download it legally. You ripped your CDs, which I did, and I had... Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of CDs that I ripped. It took me a long time, but I did it. Um, until iTunes came out, that just wasn't a thing. It, it, it's not yeah. too long ago. I mean, and, and for yeah, them to do that, early 2000s, yeah, for them yeah. to do that, and then just to let it go to pot, as you would say, yeah. uh, man, it, it, it's it's well, been a big frustration yeah. of mine because I love music, I mean, but Apple sucks at it now. Yeah, I mean, everyone forgets that the uh, iPod launched without iTunes. iTunes came after Exactly. Right? And so that's the first thing. And the second thing, and I remember this clearly, one of the selling points of iTunes was the it would rip the music <laughs> into iTunes. They, when they first, because obviously even Apple didn't anticipate how popular their online music store was going to be. So when they first launched iTunes, they were looking at it saying, well, it's a better way of organizing your music and then syncing it to your iPod. Um, they weren't re- they weren't saying, oh, well, you know, now you're going to buy everything digitally because they had no idea it was going to explode like that either. I remember the big ads, um, over a million songs. Know. No, it's, I mean, now yeah. that seems quaint, but I mean, I remember yeah. that was a huge milestone for Apple. Yeah. And I remember and Microsoft jumped into the digital online music world and that was a colossal failure. Um, yeah, it's a shame actually because the hardware and software stack on Zoom was actually quite yeah. good. But they just they they were just too, far too late. Apple just had too yeah, much. Yeah, destroyed them. And then by the time point. Zoom looked like it could have done something, Apple came out with the iPhone, and it was game over at that point. 
Well, yeah, because the iPhone based, basically made all MP3 players obsolete. Yes. Because you could do everything it, uh, the MP3 players could do and more. And, of course, what happened then is people realised, well, actually, if you've got constant network connectivity, you don't even need to store it locally. You don't need to de- do the local. Yeah, that's where Spotify stuff. came in. And that's why Spotify came in. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So it's interesting. I'm going to download it. I'm going to play with it. I'm going to see if it's worth anything. Um, I got some new hardware. What you get? I got a new pair of headphones. Uh, they didn't cost me anything, of course. It was part of my review stuff. But it's a yep. Rode NTH100 Professional over-ear headphones. It's about 150 bucks. Uh, 200 bucks if you want to get the microphone, which I don't. Uh, they are not wireless. So to listen to them on my phone, I have to use the adapter, which is always fun. Um, in fact, I, you know, I'm listening to them right now, listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Road Road is Road is um, is an Australian company that's very big in sort of. Well, they kind of straddle the line between like high end pro audio and prosumer. I, I would say they're uh, they're more prosumer, but. And they and they really yeah. did hit it big with their podcast stuff. That's kind of what put yeah, them on the map. They, they did. I used to have one, um, yeah. and it was a great it was a great piece of kit. The, the funnily enough, the the second one they launched uh, last year has been a bit of a flop um, because it, um, it 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 upped the price and took features away, and, and apparently was completely utterly unreliable when when um, they first launched it. So that's been a shame. So, so I, what what are these like? Because a lot of people use Rode microphones to podcast with. Yes, so these are, um, I wouldn't say these would be great for podcasting. They're a little tight. And I when I podcast, I leave one cushion off one ear because I want to hear ambient sounds in my room, not just yeah. you. And I'm not routing my own music back to myself. I don't want to hear myself talking in my headphones. I know yeah. some people do that, but ugh. Um, yeah. So I really got these for music to see, hey, for 150 bucks, are these any good? Number one. You know, I have a pair of AKGs that I usually use, which I'm going to go back to next week because they're more comfortable. But from a pure audio standpoint, that's kind of how I review headphones and comfort. They're more comfortable, by the way, yeah. if I have them on both ears and the way I have them right okay, now. Okay, I was going to say, they, they say on the page here, the most comfortable headphones ever, yeah, period. It's, it's uh, not. Not not true. Not, yeah. not, not on the, my AKGs are way more comfortable. Number one, the ear yeah. cup itself um, my whole ear goes in there, which is good, but it feels smaller. And I compare it to my AKGs, and the actual opening is smaller. The AKGs have kind of a velvet. Um, what are these? Yeah, these are kind of velvety, but they almost feel like a plastic velvet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe it's just because they're well, new and they uh, need to break in a little bit. Hundred fifty dollars is is not expensive no. for a pair of over air cans. So, so um, audio quality wise, I went through my um, best of all time playlist. I know how these songs are supposed to sound. I listen to these same songs on both the AKG, my um, um, Clips sound system that's connected to my computer with the sub and everything, and yeah. the Apple Pro wireless. You know the little earbuds when I'm out yeah. mowing the lawn that has noise cancellation in them. So I've got different headphones and speakers that I compare sound quality. Nothing beats the clips, the desktops, nothing. It, it's yeah. not even close. That being said, these, I gotta be honest, these roads are really, really damn close 
to the AKGs. Yeah. Yeah. And the AKGs yeah. have been my reference headphones for I don't know how long. I mean, and they were hundreds of dollars back in the day. Yeah. Um, the audio quality is really good. The bass might be a little bit better than the AKG, just a little bit. Uh, the mids, uh, I, I, I think the AKG is a little bit better in the mids. And the highs are about the same on both. So yeah. if you like a little bit more bass heavy, eh, maybe this. Um, I, I got to be honest, though, for 150 bucks, these things are a steal. If you want over-the-head earphone or headphones, yeah. you know, eh, no noise cancellation, no wireless, none of that. There's none of that electronics. You don't plug them in to charge them, anything like that. You're going to plug these into something, physically plug it in and listen to music. Man, I don't know if you can beat these for the price point and the performance. I really don't. Yeah, it feels weird to buy headphones that I have to plug in nowadays, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know there's been a, a resurgence online of people buying what they call um, chi-fi stuff, which is in-ear monitors that come out of the same factories that mon that the manufacturer. You know the big, expensive, professional in-ear monitors, yeah. um, and I know, you know <laughs> these things are crazy cheap. They're like they are wired, um, and they even have the little um, metal plug to actually plug the wire into the monitor itself on your ear. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know they're normally like twenty, thirty bucks, and apparently some of these sound crazy good for the money. Yeah. Um, but obviously, not everybody likes something in their ear. Um, some people do like over the head. I, I, I remember many years ago, I had a pair of Motorola. It was a very early pair of Motorola Bluetooth over the over the um, ear headphones, and I used to wear them when I was walking to work. And people back then, this is, I guess it must have been about two thousand and seven, something like that. People looked at me crazy because nobody wore that sort of headphones walking around in Brit certainly in Britain at the time. Now everybody does, and you see people with those sorts of headphones. I think Beats is largely responsible for that. Um, those sorts of headphones plugged into their uh, into their uh, music device all the time, but uh, but back then it was unusual. But now now it's not, and uh, you know if these sound good. Yeah, 100, 150 bucks isn't a lot of money. It, I don't know what else you can get that would compare for that sort of price. Uh, I, so, I, I, I I've kind of fallen out of, you know, reviewing headphones. So I don't, you know, back in the day, I used to review headphones quite often. Yeah. Um, I do question, though, how many people want a wired set. I think it's more for home use. Look, if I'm going to sit and just listen to music, if I'm alone in the house, I'll do it at the computer with the speakers. Because like I said, that sounds just way better than everything else. But if I'm going to sit on the couch, for instance, and listen to some music, and people are home, I'm using headphones. Yeah. And at this point, it's always been, no question, I would go for the AKGs. They just sounded better. But they did bleed the sound out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and if I'm going to do yard work, or I'm going to be outside with something noisy, and I'm power washing my driveway, that's where the Apple Wireless with you know noise cancellation comes in. Yeah. I would like to to have had these be wireless to be honest with you i think it would have been better if they were bluetooth 
So I, th- I think one of the reasons that Wired, Wired are coming back is that a lot of people are recognising that Bluetooth and the processing and compression that goes along with Bluetooth changes the sound. It does. Some people don't like that. It does. But there's, there's modern like electronics that, you know. that can... I mean, you listen to Apple Wireless and you don't know that they're wireless, really. I mean, they I, sound that good. I, well, for you and me, I completely agree with you. But you and I both know, as we were both hi-fi heads back in the day, yes. that there were people who would argue till they were blue in the face that if you didn't have the right grade of copper in your wires it made a difference to the sound and that sort of mentality is exactly what what people will be thinking when they're talking about bluetooth i remember when cd came in people were going crazy because they said well yet you know the uh the fact that the um the sample rate is only 44.1 kilohertz means that the stuff being lost uh, and uh, and therefore you know it changes the sound and it doesn't sound as good of course nowadays most people wouldn't say that about cd quality because we're so used to listening to mp3s and bluetooth stuff that's been compressed even more um but but our, that argument was made so that you're always going to get people who say i want it this way because i i want as few as little um kind of gaps in the chain or as little conversions or stuff like that and anything that, that avoids compression is is kind of much more uh, their bag it's it's kind of odd though because presumably people with who have that plugging into a computer or to a um, phone that's actually playing compressed audio because um, I don't think many of the phones and many do you have to get a special device now if you want lossless audio don't you you do a flack and things like that you tend to have to buy a dedicated iPod style player if you want that I don't know what does the iPhone play play flack I think it does yeah yeah okay it's been a long time since I even thought about it to be honest where the spatial audio is quite good i mean uh, i've got to admit spatial audio when i use my airpods pro on my phone the 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 impression it gives you that the sound is actually coming out the phone yeah you turn your head and it goes to one side you kind of move away and you can hear where the phone is it's quite it's, it's very impressive i'm not sure it really adds much to the experience um but it's it, uh it, it's certainly interesting it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me if i'm sat on a train watching watching amazon prime the fact that i can hear it coming out of the phone uh, it's just like it doesn't really um well but if music is recorded like, in cool. that they can really kind of have a, a really good staging effect as well well where it I've, doesn't matter I've, where I've, you move maybe, your head but yeah. the sound's coming from different places and maybe maybe because i don't watch stuff on apple tv no no, no i'm um, talking about recorded audio Oh, right. Okay. Well, I've never come across anything like that. But certainly the, the technical trick of making it sound like it's coming out your phone, even on anything that iPhone plays, is is impressive and cool, if not obviously particularly useful. <laughs> and I've got to have a little bit of a gripe about my AirPods Pro 2, which I bought, um, I think I bought the turn of the year. Um, so these were upgrades from the AirPods Pro ones I had, which um, I liked very much, but the battery was starting to go in them. So it was time to change them. So I changed them for the for the second generation model. And I have a real problem with it in that the the charging case for the Pro 2 has Find My on it. So, um, you know, if you leave it lying around the house, it does the same thing that uh, an AirTag will do, whereas it, you can make it beep. Yeah. It will, it will tell you physically where it is by talking to other phones if you leave it behind. Uh, and it will even do that, that thing with the latest phones where it kind of uses 3D positioning to actually point you. At, you know, it's kind of like, where's Wally? It actually leads you to where the, where the things are if you left them yep. lying around. 
But the downside of that is that the battery life on the charging case now is awful. <laughs> I mean, it's like the old ones you could leave easily leave for a week and pick them up and they would still have charging. This one is like three days. And uh, it's really kind of irritating because I'm finding more and more. I'm picking the thing up and I'm and then finding the it, the AirPods are flat because the charging case went flat because it was using Find My. Yeah, see, and I, to me that's <laughs> not even it's not even a thing because if I'm not using them, they're in the case and the case is sitting on a charge pad. Because it's, it's well, not I like I got to plug them it, in. You just put them yeah, on my know, charge pad. I know. Yeah, I know, but I've I, mine tend to live in a case in my pocket, and I don't. Tend For three to take days, them out you need pocket. to shower more. <laughs> oh, I'm sh- I'm showering. I'm just not taking them out of my pocket. And then when I do switch, uh, I take them out of my pocket and put them in my fresh pocket. I'm not. That's the point. Is I'm not thinking about. I don't want to have to think about charging them all the time. <laughs> you know. Uh, so that that's that's the issue. Um, and uh, I. It sounds like a you problem. Is, well, maybe, maybe I just need to turn find my off on these because they're always in my pocket. Yeah, I've ne- <laughs> never lost them. Yeah, so maybe I don't need save, find save my battery. Own. But yeah, I, I just obviously I know nothing about the technicalities of this, but I'm just kind of disappointed that even with find mine there, they couldn't get better battery life. I never run out of that's power for my phone or my watch because I have a very set pattern. I get home from work, I take off my watch, I have a stand. Uh, that charges my watch, my phone, and my AirTags or my uh, yeah. yeah headphones. I just so, yeah. that's all part there. The prob- yeah, part of the problem is I don't really like wireless charging. I don't like the heat it generates. I don't like the lack of efficiency. So my phone, I put I don't into feel a cable. any heat at all from this thing. I've got my hand well, on it right charged- now, and I don't feel anything. My watch right, isn't maybe, getting hot at all. The phone's may, never hot. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe if I had the latest air charge, uh, whatever it calls, the latest um, MagSafe pucks, they would be better. I don't use the Apple um, stuff. I, I'm using third you party don't, you stuff. Don't use the Apple stuff. No, I, I'm using this this third party stand that even has RGB so on made, the bottom of it. Who made that stand? Oh, well, RGB. Oh, let me see. I have to go to Amazon because I can't remember who I bought it from now. Oh, it's going to take me a while. You know how many things I order? Um, it's probably yeah. looking all of 2022, and I'll type in charge. Let's see if it comes up that way. Uh, yep, here it is. It is. Do, 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 do. The company is, uh, who knows? Ovi Sabi, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, right. 3-in-1 here. I'll put it in our show notes. So I would say... I, you know, if they sell in the UK, I would say this is a good one. It works extremely yeah. well. Um, it's pretty fast charging. Uh, it charges my, uh, and it says iPhone 14, 14 Pro Max series, except, but it works with any of them because it's got two charging ports where the phone goes. So it's gonna you're gonna get good coverage. The watch sits on top yeah. of it, a little flip out thing, and then the headphones go underneath the watch in the back of the stand. Uh, that's what I use. It costs thirty seven dollars. It works yeah, extremely not, not. well. It doesn't generate any heat that I've noticed ever. I just I can put my hand on it right now and nothing's even warm. It's room temperature. Um, well, it's charging at the moment, is it? Yeah, my watch is on it's, there. Is it, your watch is on there, right? Okay. And so is the you know the, the AirPod case. So that's right. what I use. I think it would, and you can even turn off the RGB if you don't like it. 
In fact, when it starts charging something, the RGB is kind of do its thing. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah. Um, my, uh, I got my, it because uh, I wanted simplicity as far as all my stuff goes right here. If it's all charging, I want something that's a small footprint that's easy to get on and off and it's convenient for me. And, you know, having the RGB and looking cool, that's just a benefit. Um, yeah. I like it course, a lot. Of course, the thing is far more expensive here than it is there. Yeah. £41, £29. £41, £29. You're a guy who buys a new computer every three months. You can afford it. Actually, the, the one they're selling here doesn't isn't not the same as yours. It looks different. Well, take a screenshot. Send that. Put it in the notes. I want to see what it looks like. Because there's three different ones. There's one that um, everything's more front-centered and it has the pencil. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. there's. I see three different choices. Uh, the one I have... Here, I'll take a screenshot of mine so you can... Yeah. Yeah. The one, the one you have is only available in white for Android devices, and it's more expensive here. That's weird. So, yeah. So what happens when you live what in you a third world country? Uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a picture of mine. You can see it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, it. I'm surprised Amazon even operates in this country. Yeah, I wonder... Um, So anyways, let's talk about HP here for a minute, because I can't believe this is still a goddamn thing. They've been sued and lost so many times, and yet they're willing to keep taking the hit. Um, Yep. HP outage outrages printer users with firmware updates suddenly bricking third-party ink. How many times has HP done this? Well, as you say, they were sued for it, and they paid quite a lot of fines yeah. and they paid people they had to pay people refunds and all sorts of stuff and they do it again and despite that they seem to think well uh, now it's time to do that again i actually had this a couple of years ago i used to have an hp color laser jet um at home it was only a cheap one but you know it was nice to be able to do color and uh color color lasers um they use four different toner cartridges to do the color and and i became aware that there was a firmware update that stopped you using third party um toner cartridges and the problem is to re- replace all of the toner cartridges from hp by a new printer costs nearly as much as yeah nearly as much as the printer uh, not nearly as and, much uh, sometimes it, it actually costs yeah. more and of course they also did that trick where the ones that are included in the box are only a quarter full, yep. so they run out very quickly. So I, we we decided at the time that actually we didn't need a color laser printer. We hardly ever printed color, and so uh, we we sold it. I didn't. I deliberately blocked it from doing the firmware update, and I actually sold it on eBay. Actually saying, "Look, I've done a block, so you don't have, you don't, you're not going to get the firmware update that's going to stop you using third party cartridges." But I just decided then I wasn't going to do it. So I then went out and bought. Uh, a black and white laser, which we've used for a long time, which is great, but it's also HP, which uh, is not so great. Um, and uh, I, I looked at the story and I thought, first of all, I thought, who in their right mind nowadays even uses inkjets anymore? Yeah, uh, more people are, than you think. I know, but uh, really, I, it's just such a fundamentally flawed technology because it's one of those things where if you don't use the printer for a while, it might not work properly. They'll, they bung up um, and then there's a the whole business I mean the price of the consumables for ink, for inkjets has always been a real problem even without this where effectively they're now DRM, DRMing the machines but the really egregious thing about this is that HP has been punished for this before and these machines have been working with third party 
cartridges for for a fine. They issue a warning saying, oh, you may have problems with a third-party cartridge. Um, and people have just been clicking past that going, okay. And all of a sudden they find their machine w- without any control from them is now turned around saying, no, I'm not going to use this cartridge anymore. One point million so it's, dollar it's, um, <laughs> settlement with its customers in 2020, three years ago. And, th- and they're right back to doing this. They started doing this back in 2016 as part of dynamic security. This is yeah. this is a gross company. HP is just yeah, nasty. Not, yeah, I think I think... Yeah, the lesson from this is just don't buy HP. Yeah. Uh, and it really is. It, I, I feel shamed that I have another HP printer in the house. I haven't gone to their website. What are they? Uh, they're still selling desktops. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're a big, they're very big, corp- very big corporate laptop supplier. Um, you know, they are, they are definitely one of the big three. You know, yep. Lenovo, Dell, and HP are very big in um, I've got an HP the business space. Th- uh, laptop yeah the one that i can fold over and use as a tablet as well it's a great laptop yeah alexander alexander has one as well that he was given for college i, I think so, that this um, is a scummy practice i think that a hp oh, should is, be yeah. shamed and i hope someone sues him again because and i what i'd really like is is some government to to block this well i thought that government was involved last time so I, I, I the, what the really f- hard thing to understand is having paid out all this money uh, and been sued before, why they would feel it would be a good idea to do it again. Because governments change. They spend yeah. enough money, they can buy the politicians who are going to appoint the judges that are going to be more business friendly. Right. And fuck the so, consumers um, and yeah. profit above so all they, else, people. Remember that. It was the European Union and Australia that actually took legal, um, took uh, government legal action. Yeah, I knew the US didn't. Yeah. Bunch of cowards. Oh, you gotta keep the the businesses happy. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some other stories in here, but let's save them. I don't feel like getting pissed off anymore today. Um, And we'll wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We'd love it if you guys sent us feedback on anything we said on today's show or any other. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. You can go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com and leave a comment there, and we'll get it and read it right here on the show. And of course, we are on the Twitter for as long as that keeps going, and Facebook. It's uh, Tech Fan Podcast on both places. David, it was fun to talk to you. Uh, we'll talk again next week. We're going to be talking about who knows what. It will be the Geeks Pub. So if you guys aren't subscribed to our sister show, we really hope you do. Every now and then, it's been a while, but every now and then we'll put one show from, you know, the in the feed to the other so you get both. Um, it's more focused on, you know, entertainment, if you will, video games. And uh, I know David's got a, a cool new video game thing that he's been playing lately that we're going to talk about next week. Uh, looking forward yep. to that. And I saw the got, picture and I was like, we, ooh. <laughs> and we've got, uh, obviously... The, you know the sci-fi season is starting we've got we've got Picard we've got uh, the Mandalorian both which um, by the going. way are just so fantastic so far especially Picard yeah. look I, I love the Mandalorian I can't say anything negative but yeah. the new season of Picard has been fantastic wow it I know this is the last season for it but I'm like really can we get more maybe this is great yeah uh, Patrick Stewart's really yeah. getting on a bit now though you a- no. you ageist 
Well, I'm sorry, but it's you can see it. I mean, he looks like a chicken-legged old man. Yeah, he, because he is. Yeah, he, he looks... And I say that as a man who's becoming a chicken-legged old man. Well, you know, the thing is, they, they did that one scene where they de-age him, and that was done so well. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of easy when you have a, a bald canvas to work with, but... This is the only reason I lost my hair is so that I can yep. be de-aged at That's some right. point in the future. Yep. <laughs> well, we're working on that now. David, I'll see you next yeah. week, my friend. See you then.